Fake news. Mr. President. Fake news. Fake news. Fake news. Mr. President. I just want to have one thing to say. Mr. President, I'm trying to get a word edgewise here. Fake news put out Mr. President, it's not. Mr. President, it's not fake news just because you don't like it. A few days ago, fake news called. Enough! Each and every Tuesday, the Journey into Comics Network brings you the real news with the poor of poor, with the late breaking news that really matters. The following is a Journey into Comics Network production. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Journey into Comics, the podcast about everything nerd. With your hosts, Nate Phillips and Brandon Stone. We've come a long way from the Prime Minister's exploding cake. Or have we? What's up, everybody? Welcome to Journey Into Comics 179, if you will. I'm one of your hosts, Brando. Joining me here today, the podfather, the OG of GIC. Nate, how's it going? Good morning, bro. How are you? It's going pretty good over here, my friend, on this very just it, it it's not bleak it's not rainy it's just a very non sunny day on this sunday morning sunday saturday morning uh in fact now it is in my time it is uh, because i'm future tripping because we are not in the same time zone it is now the afternoon for me so good so good afternoon everybody today here on the show we're going to be having a quite of an amalgamation of different things here for you we're going to be talking about some news and views and some articles going to be looking at the walking dead 176 and of course, we have a sneak preview for a show coming up this Friday on the on Nate's show, Voice of Survival, featuring the the heir of Batman or the heiress of Batman. Yeah, like like what's her official title? She's the heir of Batman, and it's really ridiculous. Batman, the one and only Athena Finger is going to be on the Voice of Survival. Uh, she's the granddaughter of Bill Finger, the co-creator of Batman. Uh, awesome Hulu documentary. Go 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 check that documentary out if you have not heard or seen of that. Batman and is Bill. It? Batman and Bill, please go check that out. She's going to be on The Voice of Survival this Friday. We're going to have a little, nice little clip right in the middle of the show because it's that's almost going to be like the bridge, man. It's going to be like we're going to be talking, we're going to be talk, telling you about some cool stuff that's kind of going on right now and some topical news. And then we're going to take like a little break. You're going to hear from hear a sneak peek from the show on, on this Friday to get you guys to go check that out. And then we're going to come back to you towards the end of the show, which we haven't seen it yet, and that's why it's going to be like kind of broken up. But we are going to be talking about Black Panther. And now, uh, I probably won't be a part of that due to timing. It's kind of weird. We're having some stuff going on this weekend. And um, after the movie, I kind of I kind of have to go dip and, and, and pick up the kid, unfortunately. So I won't be able to give you my breaking thoughts on Black Panther. But Nate is going to be joined by who knows because... It's, it's I mean, going to be... A, it's literally... This is kind of like Talking Dead. I have a bunch of surprise guests who don't even know they're going to be on yet. You know, like we're going to figure that out Sunday after the movie. Like, okay... Um, everybody, this is supposed to be a think piece where we're all going to have things to say. Who wants to say it on a podcast? Like, let's get it going, you know? Like, so, and there's a lot, there's a lot going on between now and then too, because we're also having the first ever network meeting and that's going to be recorded. Who knows if that sees the light of day or if anybody gets a hold of that, but, um, there's a lot going on this weekend, Brando. So the whole mystery guest thing, I hope that it doesn't turn out. To where, like, these uh, other fellow network uh, creators, these podcast hosts that we have, uh, uh, like, on the network who might be showing up there that don't know if they're showing up, hopefully none of them are killed off the network. Oh, no. (laughs) 
a little bit of a talking dead joke because anytime there's a mystery guest, there somebody gonna die. It's true. That's that's the case. It's like so. How was your journey into Comics Network experience? Um, random mystery guest uh, A. They're like, oh, I didn't know. I didn't know I was getting killed off today. <laughs> and then Scott Gimple just tapped me on the shoulder, and he's like, "It's time, kid." <laughs> Right on, man, right on. Well, let's just go right into The Walking Dead. We read Fuck Walking yeah. Dead 176. Of course, the issue's been out for about a week or a week or two now. And, yeah, uh, roughly. We, week, week and a half. Of course, last week I wasn't on the show, guys. I had her bout with like a stomach bug, man. I just I was here alone with the kid on Saturday. The wife went over uh, to Ohio for a photo shoot. I'm, I'm hanging out. I ate lunch, and I started feeling like crap. And I, I remember, you know, I got my whole new vinyl set up. I got my record player. Got got my vinyl stuff on the floor, and I'm like, I'm gonna go back. I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna, ch- I'm gonna, I'm gonna chill out, hang out in the game room, put some records on, test this thing out, and then uh, I'm just like, I'm just gonna gonna go take a nap. Mm. I took a nap, and got him up, and then I just like vomed all over the place, and like felt like complete crap. So, unfortunately, I wasn't on the show last week. I am feeling a lot better, and I am here and ready to really dive into this uh to, to this comic issue because uh this is you know picking up the story right after the like right after like the big uh, uh cliffhanger if you will with uh, Michonne and her daughter Elodie uh, well uh, yeah and of course sir, okay so Eugene and the gang and you know Michonne and Siddick and and, and all these folks they show up uh, at the Commonwealth, and they and they're getting let in. They have this big wall of the mist, wall of the lost, and it's like, have you seen this person? And uh, well, Michonne sees her picture on there, and it's you know from her daughter, and her daughter's there. And well, it, we we they kind of draw it out because we don't get to find her right away. Of course, uh, the dude who like welcomed them in and like kind of interviewed them, he's kind of a dick. He's the worst. I really don't like that. Is his name Steve, I think? I feel like he's Steve something or Steven something. Yeah, like he, he had a real kind of like a yeah. real proper white boy name. But I, I feel yeah. like secretly <laughs> he's underlying like that. Like he's the villain of this whole thing. And that's where things are going to turn on its head because and we'll talk about it in this issue. There's a lot of little things subversively. He says that seems like he's got a kind of like a real tight leash on everybody. He has the tight leash on everybody. No one else but him. And that's weird to me. Um, but, yeah, he seems like a dick. He's leading him in. And Michonne, as soon as she sees the picture of herself, have you seen my mom? Um, Michonne's pretty unmistakable. And it's pretty easy to see yourself in a picture and go, it's fucking me. Holy shit. So she's like, hey, my fucking daughter's here. You lead me there now. No questions. And he's like, that's not at all how this works. I'm going to take you somewhere who... From there, you might be able to find your daughter, but <clears throat> the process doesn't work like that. We got to do some checks and balances. They get introduced to uh, Mil- Milton Hawkins is an, is the first new guy they're introduced to, and he's kind of like the middleman to the governor, I guess you'd say. Mm-hmm. He kind of introduces not, not not the governor. Not the old governor. No, correct. We'll correct the governor that. of the Commonwealth. Thank you. The governor. Uh, her name is Pamela. Governor. Governor Milton. Yeah, Pamela Milton. Thank you. Yeah. So Pam Milton is the uh, the Commonwealth's governor, uh, and 
it's interesting to me that everything seems really like official. Every it, it's so different. It's not like anything we've seen in the world since we've been in this world. Everything kind of feels how it used to be. They get led into the office, and of course, not everybody gets led into. They pick one representative to discuss, and they pick it in a very interesting way by going through and saying, what did you do before? What was your job before all this shit went down? Like, what was your, mm-hmm. what part of the machine were you? Because that is a theme that we get into later in this when Pamela is talking to Michonne, because Michonne gets chosen. She was a lawyer. She was going to make partner. She had just made partner, actually, right when this shit all broke out. So she's like the representative. And I love that Michonne's in the middle of the conversation with Pamela says, I'm interviewing and auditioning you just as much as you're interviewing and auditioning me. Like, this isn't just, oh, we're going to join your group. No fucking questions asked. Like, we've been through this shit before, my friend. We don't trust nobody. Like, I don't care how nice it looks here. I don't care how 50,000 fucking people strong you are, you know? It was it's it's really interesting in this um, in this issue how the it, it kind of went really fast. There's not a, a ton of stuff that happens, but this book is so impactful. Uh, there's several first appearances. Also mentioned officially, first appearance of Stephanie happens mm-hmm. in this book. Yeah, first first actual panel uh, a visual you know representation of Stephanie. We also get a lot of really big uh, like big page page big long splash uh, pages of yeah like the just of scenery of uh, of showing you what is on the inside of the commonwealth getting you like letting you know like the, this is a whole community of 50,000 people man uh it's crazy because like we talked about previously like they're having game like sports games and shit it's interesting to note also in this issue aside from one tiny line princess doesn't have a whole lot to do she says like she was she worked at a cafe and retail jobs here and there but that's pretty much her her only thing here Uh, magna has a couple different things because she's magna's trying to be like michonne you can't overreact in the first part of the book and then of course you know uh whatever so Pamela and Michonne are having this conversation, and Michonne's just kind of fed up with it because it's not really moving as fast as she wants it to because she, oh, what, of course, does she have on her mind is, like, I might see my daughter who I thought was definitely dead, like, no questions. So she's like, look, I, I kind of ran out of patience here, and typically I would have just kind of, like, let this play out, but this is the fucking fact, lady. If you want me to join the Commonwealth, if you want me to believe in what you have going on here, take me to my daughter. And immediately Pamela's like, whoa, you're a mom and that's what's going on and you've been this calm? I can't even say kudos enough to you because you have maintained your composure way the fuck better than I would as a mother knowing what you know she knows. So Pamela marches her right to the bakery, Brando. And that was like a really awesome, crazy, like last couple of pages of the book. I thought. Oh yeah, it was awesome because uh, what was said in like the news and notes or the, like the you know like the like like the letter hacks right at the end is like two happy cliffhangers at the very end of like the books. What's going on with this? And um, it, it's really cool because this this is a story that really takes Michonne's character in the book to a different place where you know the 
there was a stark difference between the Michonne in the book and the Michonne in the show. And of course, in the show, since now she has essentially become the Andrea, like where she got in the relationship with Rick and done all that, she's also more open about her feelings and her past in the show. Yeah, she's definitely a lot more closed off in the book. Exactly, and it takes a lot longer for her to to open up. So, I mean, I'm excited to see what book Michonne, where, where this takes her, because this is going to change a lot, you know, because Michonne, is, she's been living and she's been surviving in this world for so long, and now what we've seen with other characters when they get, like, a sudden change, how do they, how are they react to that, you know, how... Uh, are they able to change um, who they are and what they are? Sometimes people just immediately they you know it, because she is she want to does, does she want to take her back? Does she want to stay there? Does she want to go back to to you know Alexandria now? What I mean, what's going on? I think that this is interesting how this is all going to play out because Michonne has a lot of decisions to make. And I feel like, and I want to go back to Stephanie in with this decision making, um, the way Stephanie is treated on the street and how that guy's like, I'll change your job assignment and you won't like it. And like, he's really, really degrading to her and, um, verbally, it seems he's verbally manipulative there. I kind of read that as somebody who was just like, there was a lot of, um, passive aggressive context with how that was said. Like, you won't like what I put you through you bitch, shut up, you know, go do your job or whatever. And Eugene picks up on that. And I feel like there is going to be a divide and Michonne and company are going to be taking people back from the Commonwealth. Because the Commonwealth, while it may seem like a quote-unquote safe environment, I feel like there's a lot of shit going on that we haven't learned yet because we're so new into this area that, uh, you know, at some point, we're going to realize, like, shit is not right. I just looked at the cover for 177, and, bro, uh, the cover for 177 has another new-looking person on it. Uh, apparently, this is a new character called Officer Mercer, but you know how there are the white-clad guards that are protecting Pamela on the cover of 176? He's in the same kind of suit, except for it's all red. And he's got this, like, hatchet. He's a badass-looking motherfucker. Look that up if you get a chance. Uh, It looks interesting. That's three of six. And then not to be too spoilerific, I went ahead and just out of curiosity looked for 178 and see what the cover for that was. And that's an interesting thing that's a little bit spoilerific because it's Princess, and she's fighting, like, seven of those white guards. So my guess is, as I said, something is coming down the pipe. Some shit's about to get really real, and when it does, when all this shit pops off, Michonne and company are going back to Alexandria, there's no question. I don't think this is, first of all, Michonne was gone for two years in the book. We can't forget that she has already done the whole leave the group behind absence thing, and fans were like, no, she's got to be with the group, so they're not going to pull her fully away. This is just a just a moment in time that they'll... They're going to set everything up for the future right here. And who knows, maybe the final book of New World Order is Negan saving them or sacrificing himself to, to get them because they've been gone for, you know, weeks or something. Who knows?
who knows how much time will pass by the time New World Order is done. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, it's it's going to be really interesting to see where they take the whole story. Uh, of course, nothing is ever what it seems. Nothing is, you know, uh, true happiness in this world really doesn't exist. And anytime they introduce a whole new norm, it just gets burnt down. So it's going to be interesting to see that, how that happens. Nate, shifting gears out of The Walking Dead. Sure. Uh, this has nothing to do with anything that we were going to talk about today. Sure. But... Um, do you know what the NASA golden record is? No. All right. So back, well, way back when, when they launched the Voyager uh, spacecraft. I think I do know this. There was a golden record, and on that record uh, was a bunch of things. And um, they basically, it, w- it was left on there for aliens, for potential uh, life. And for them to play it in some sort of fashion. And uh, they're going to be releasing that on vinyl. Whoa. For everybody to buy. Uh, the soundtrack has been available on SoundCloud. You can listen to it. And it also came out on, as a CD in 1992. Uh, but now they're going to prep it for release. Um, it, it, it said uh, as early as January. This, this is an older article. I just happened to find this. This is crazy. But uh, two sets. Um of the uh, phonographic album with, um, with images and instructions and symbolic language were rocketed into space in 1977, one aboard the Voyager 1 and another aboard, aboard the Voyager 2. Sounds from animals in the outdoors plus rock, classical, and other genres of international music were recorded onto the 12-inch gold copper-plated discs. The selection, compiled by a committee headed by, uh, by uh, uh, Carl Sagan, was intended to be a, uh, a broad introduction of the myriad of sounds of Earth. It, it's a kind of time capsule intended to communicate a story of our world to extraterrestrials. Uh, the recording includes greetings in 55 languages, the sound of rain, a whale song, bird chirps, a baby's cry, Chuck Berry's Johnny Be Good, and music by Bach, Beethoven, and many others. Whoa, that's fucking radical, dude. Like, um, I want to have that. Could, me too. The record contains a message from Earth by Jimmy Carter, who was the president when the Voyagers went, went into space, and saying, this is the present uh, from a small distant world, a token of our sounds, our music, our thoughts, and our feelings. We are, tempted to, we are attempting to survive our time so that we may live into yours. We hoped someday, having solved the problems we face, to join a community of, of, of galactic civilizations. Whoa. That's fucking awesome. Like, the world that we live in is so cool, Brando. Yeah, I mean... I mean, okay, because... Like, that was back in the 70s, and... I know, and the thing I think about is, like, you think about them doing that in the 70s, and then think about what Elon Musk just did, throwing a... shooting a car into space. I know, dude. And it's just, like, our existence, us... I think our generation, and I don't want to say... I'm not talking millennials, and I know we are. But I'm more talking the 87ers, the cliffhangers that were at the tail end of the 80s that brought it in here are like the luckiest generation because we have seen so much good in our world. While we have seen tragedy and bad shit, it is so much less than our grandparents had to deal with. It's so much less than our parents had to deal with. And we've seen so many things strive towards the better. So to have like a cool retrospective thing like here's this thing we shot into space back in the day on vinyl 
Do you think they'll be all gold pressed, like like faux gold, or do you think they'll just be black vinyl? I don't know. Uh, I, I think it'd be really neat to get them in like a gold color. Oh, I totally agree. Oh, that's an interesting article that we could totally tangent out of the Walking Dead talk with. Here's a stat for you, Brando. Robert Kirkman tweeted this, 11, 12 a.m., February 12th. This is five days ago, okay? He says, I try to avoid braggy posts, but I just learned Walking Dead 175 outsold every single comic published by Marvel in January. Oh. That's especially nice because many there told me I was going to crash and burn when I left in 2008. This is not crashing or burning. Can you believe that one issue outsold all Marvel comics in January? That's awesome. And I mean, and that was such a good issue too. Oh, absolutely. And there's, uh, and it's, it's the start of everything moving forward. And, uh, Mm -hmm. there, there's kind of more news with Marvel comics. It's surprising because I actually have comic book based news. Somebody died in Marvel comics, Brando. And I'm only bringing this up because this person's about to make their MCU debut, uh, not this week, but in a couple months here. So, uh, rogue, goes on a warpath in Avengers 680, right? These are a little spoilerific here, folks. She goes into space to uh, to f- deal with the Grandmaster and Challenger. They're playing this game of Pyramoid, which has been spread across the Earth, and the Black Order are competing for these objects. The Black Order ends up killing Human Torch. Okay? So it seems that Human Torch is dead, and that's what Rogue believes. So Rogue, in sheer rage, goes and she um, she kills Corvus Glaive, which is one of the Black Order, who is debuting in Infinity War. Uh, one thing that's interesting in the comic book lore of all this is that Glaive is pretty difficult to kill because he is a child of Thanos. Thanos kind of gave him a special weapon that lets him stay alive. He can return from any death. Uh, it's kind of like just part of his character development or whatever but recently in the comics Thanos is like fuck you Corvus Glaive and broke the weapon so it seems that Glaive is dead and and maybe for good and and I thought that was interesting but this this is more interesting news in comic book world than I want to throw your way and get your opinion on Brando I know you don't really know much about Corvus Glaive he's you know a newer character that Marvel has created so it's not like he has a heavy lineage but here's a DC character that has heavy, heavy lineage that is dead. And I don't know if you know this. Recently, a bat major, a major Batman character was killed off. Do you know about this? No. Oh, man. I'm so excited to bring this to you. So, in a recent episode, or in a recent issue of Batman, which I'm trying to... Hey, Tyler, love you, buddy, but I'm trying to pull up the article... Because for some reason, again, it's not on my desktop, which I had it up yesterday. Anyways, ah, here we go. It was right there. So, in Detective Comics 974, as they build towards Detective Comics 1000, uh, Clayface was shot and killed and is officially done. Uh, He was shot in the head, and he was apparently shot with a special bullet that reversed the regenerative properties of the clay. And he just dissolved into sand. He's gone. And hmm. 
that's pretty crazy, man. I really love the Clayface character, uh, Boris or Basil Carlo. I always want to say Boris Karloff because that's kind of what he was uh, named after. But Basil Carlo, the actor, um, you know, debuting forever ago in Batman, way, way back. I think it was, I, I want to say it was like the 250 or 300-ish range. I might be off on that. But for him to die is is crazy. I loved him in the animated series, Brando. Right. Yeah, see, that's where I really got familiar with the Clayface character was the animated series. Yeah, and they did a great job of bringing his origin to that show, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, and the, that is a very memorable set of um, of episodes when he is, uh, you know, they make him drink that chemical or whatever, the, the facial cleaner or whatever. I don't know. I remember what exactly it is. And then it morphs his body, and then he gets all crazy. Oh, man. Love Clayface. Brando, we talked about it off air. Let's go ahead and talk about it on air. We're talking about DC. There was some DC news that you wanted to discuss involving a certain director. One of them is Zack Snyder. I heard this story last week, and I couldn't wait to talk about it on the show. And uh, apparently there was a reporter in the media, like in like the reporting industry, like the media industry, like the journalist. And uh, he was leaving, and he was throwing out... Uh, tweets basically saying this and that like I don't care man I'm, I'm out of here I don't even care who who sees this this is stuff that needs to get known and well one of the things he threw out was that Warner Brothers fired Zack Snyder well before it came out that he stepped down yeah I actually have the tweet from Josh L. Dickey up right now it says since I'm shifting into don't give a fuck mode here's a hot one for you Zack Snyder was fired from the DCEU just over one year ago. Couldn't write it quite that way at the time, but was able to tap dance around it. Clumsy, um, oblique headline, not mine. And the headline that he has his name attached to for the article he wrote uh, way back says, the Zack Snyder era of DC movies is coming to a close at Warner Brothers. So it doesn't say fired, it doesn't say let go, it doesn't say he left on his own accord. It's a very vague thing. So he uses that as like confirmation. Uh, it says here that there's somebody else, let me reword it, da, 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 da. Collider's Matt Goldberg actually also confirms this sentiment, saying that he, you know, he definitely left because, and this is whew, really interesting to read, Snyder's version of Justice League was, quote, unwatchable according to two separate store sources who spoke to collider so unwatchable bro now it, the article did go on to say that it was a early, really early cut of the film before any reshoots before any of the final effects were done so um a lot of that can go back and you can really patch up a movie that way so we, we really don't know in what terms was it like they just didn't like the direction he was going in or, you know, or what, because what, what we have is Warner brothers in a panic. Oh yeah. And, and it's a shame. It really is a shame, but the, the 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 problems that I laid out 
with Man of Steel and Batman v Superman hinge on one person in a way. They really do. It hinges on Zack Snyder since he is the creative and directive force. Well, and you got to think, Brando, one thing I said way back when the first news broke post uh, the news that Joss Whedon was taking over, if you'll remember, the first trailer after that was so much colorful. Like, it was way brighter, way more colorful. The edit seemed livelier, and it's like, man, Zack Snyder is great. When you look at his catalog of... Watchmen and 300 and even you know even Man of Steel has some some qualities that while you know you say it suffered from putting two parts of two separate movies into one movie to make a movie where you're telling two very drastically different stories together uh, as it were your you know your origin and your sequel to your origin as it were uh, I feel like he's good at directing really dark grim painful looking stuff and of course the the reality of what happens with his daughter is like of course he's in a dark fucking place man so i just uh you know i just don't maybe he was doomed from the start here maybe they already were on pins and needles because of the way bvs was going and they needed to be fucking wowed when they saw that first cut and they didn't see his vision at all and who knows if the vision was good who knows if the vision was shit there's been like i mean the black suit thing came out did you see that or hear about that at all Mm-hmm. that there's a cut or a deleted scene where Soups goes to the Fortress of Solitude and is looking for possible suits. And then, of course, it looks like he decides on the brighter colored suit that's used in the movie. But they do show the black suit that I would have thought they would have used for this movie. Well, if you remember, there was actually wasn't there's a shot come out with Cavill in the black suit or was there just th- a shot of the suit? I think it's just a shot of the suit in, in the in the clip. Um the, I mean, there's so there's so many things they alluded to that they fucked up because in BVS when that ends and Soups is in the in the casket, the casket looks like the Richard Donner cut era mm-hmm. logo, and it is also black suit Superman, like literally how it looks. One thing we don't really talk a whole lot about is like at the end of that movie, the dirt starts coming up, so Superman was gonna return anyways, but then they had to use the mother box in Justice League to bring him back because he wasn't gonna return. So that's like a little bit of a, a you know, just things that don't quite line up. But that's just how it, it was a it was a it, it was a hint. It was a wink. Yes, correct. Uh, the it whole dirt lining say. up. You know, the he wasn't gonna pop out of that casket in the, in the, in the beginning of the movie because the, like literally that that defeats the purpose of the of them having to unite these metahumans together to face a threat because the whole point is soups was this badass could do could do everything guy and we don't have him anymore nope so now we need you guys yep and you have to lead up to it now you know and i what you said about like Zack snyder i think there's redeeming qualities in bvs it's just a long dull drawn out movie which like watchmen it's a great watch if you're a diehard fan, but it's not that it's not a popcorn flick. It has elements of the popcorn flicks. You know, it entertained me. Yeah. But to the same token, it's convoluted, not well written. It's kind of wishy washy with its cut, though the extended cut's a little bit better, not much. You know, I don't think it's a bad movie. I just think that it's a not a great telling of what could have been it it, it it didn't live up to what it should have been 
you know, and when you look over and see on the other side of the aisle with these movies that they're doing, sometimes I'm too critical of it, but they're more popcorn flicks. They entertain the masses easy. They they're they're really well digested. Easily and rewatched it, for the most part. Yeah, exactly. You know. Uh, meanwhile, you know, it, like when you get Brando in too much of an analyzation mode, and I'm sitting there watching this thing, and I'm just like picking it apart. They're not making the movie for that reason. Correct. You know, um, it's interesting so, because the 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 split between those two, it's kind of like follow me where I'm going here. It's kind of like two boxers, right? And here's mm-hmm. what I feel like. I feel like DC is that prideful boxer who's got his ass whooped but can't stay down just like just stay down, bro. You've taken enough death blows like you don't have much left in you. You know, if you if they stumble one more time, Brando. I mean, if Aquaman sucks, if Aquaman doesn't draw in December, you might as well put a full-on stake in the heart of DCEU and call it a day because they're not going to recover from that. And it's not Probably it's not, not likely that that could happen because they, you know, different director. It's not Z- Zack Snyder. Obviously, Jason Momoa, very funny as Aquaman, so they can do a lot there. They have a lot of star power. Willem Dafoe's in that movie. Amber Heard. They already proved that they can do a badass DC movie with Wonder Woman. So and Also true. And again... It's very possible. Atlantis is taken away from it not being based in a certain specific time. The story can be told mm-hmm. in any time, and it doesn't matter because the the stuff that we've already seen can be the future or have been the past, and it's not going to really mm-hmm. affect Aquaman if it does a good job staying in its own lane. Uh, but funny enough, the they've been starting to shoot Shazam, and I know they. I was just like, oh, it's a death blow for DC, but they've already started shooting the Zachary Levi-led Shazam and uh, they're doing so in Philly, and somebody snapped some pictures, the Potbelly Gamers on Twitter, uh, Potbelly Gamers, at Potbelly Gamers, snapped pictures of a bunch of, like, boxing things that are happening in regards to the story, and the first poster, at the very bottom of the poster, Ace Chemicals. It's a little Joker Easter egg just thrown in there. So awesome. it, ju- it just has, you know, a lot of different fighters fighting talking about it yes sir speaking of the joker yes sir yeah joaquin phoenix is that official or is that just rumor still it is not official official but from what i understand it like it's been reported across the board that this is like he just like the whole just like the whole uh dude that's going to take over for batman um gyllenhaal you know gyllenhaal we don't know if it's official but there's enough people saying it that people are like printing it and you know releasing it out there saying that yeah this is where so and so might be leaning towards and uh, what are your thoughts on a Joaquin Phoenix Joker man i don't know brando <sighs> maybe it's going to be great and i say that because the last time and hear me out here and maybe some people are going to argue the last time we had a serious heavy-handed actor take on the Joker role, it was amazing, and that was Heath Ledger. Uh, I don't believe Jared Leto is that kind of caliber of an actor. He's not on Ledger's level. He's also, I don't think, on Joaquin Phoenix's level. I think he's had an amazing film career and has done a lot of stuff for himself, you know. Um, 
And it's been interesting that there are so many names, and maybe we can get into this a little bit. There are so many names that have not yet hit the MCU or the DCEU yet that need to be in these movies. I mean, uh, I don't. We don't have to necessarily get it. We could get into it if you want, but I don't. You know, I digress. As far as well, wa- the thing. I was, well, what I was going to say sure. the whole the whole thing with uh, with with Leto's Joker, I was never really like awed by the fact that he got cast by the Joker. I was curious. And then we didn't get a lot of them. You know, I'm not against seeing more of it in a properly told Batman Joker story. Show me what you can do as this character when put when you're there with the other side of that character's coin. Show me that. Because that's what that's what that's what I want to see. I don't want to see Joker as a side character in Suicide Squad. No. I don't want to see him fucking around with Harley Quinn. I want to see you take your put you know, put your pants on. And and to and to Leto's, you know, credit, a lot of the stuff that he filmed wasn't even used in that movie. That's a whole other podcast to go down. Okay? You know, what we don't know what all he brought to the table for that role because he is upset all the work that he put in saying you guys didn't even see the tip of the iceberg of what I tried to do with this character so therefore like by you know everyone's saying well the Leto uh, like nobody's talking about it because he didn't get a fair shot I I do want to see that but Joaquin Phoenix I think is a tremendous actor he you know he makes you scratch your head some of the decisions that he makes and but every time he does something he's good he, well here's the thing too brando you got to think that actors who have been in the game for so long who have done the go down the oscar route who've done the serious movie route the love movie route and who've lived the life as walking phoenix's live i mean he's lost his brother and all that shit um, you think about it, dude. Playing the Joker is an opportunity to be chaos incarnate. And if that's something that's deep within a person, like I feel like if you came to me tomorrow, Brando, and said, hey, man, I decided I'm, I'm, I'm done with podcasting. I'm done with everything else. I'm making movies now, and I'm going to make the dopest Joker movie ever, and I'm casting you as Joker. I would feel confident that I could do it because I feel that there could be chaos inside of me that I could unleash. And I feel like someone who has been through so much trauma and all the different things that Joaquin Phoenix has been through, the right director guiding him and pushing those buttons, it could be a masterpiece. I mean, and I and I don't try to use that word like throwing it left and right. Masterpiece being better than anything we have seen previous. That's how possibly good this could be. When you're looking at an actor's take on an old character, look at how many different James Bonds there there have been over the years. When you're looking at the archetype of the character, it's always the same. But it's what little nuances each actor brings to that role that sh- that changes it, that, that, that tweaks it. With, you know, And there's many different faces and facets of the Joker. Not just the chaos, but the different uh, versions that have been brought forward in film and in, 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 in animation, in comic books. There's so many different things you can draw from to either in some ways create your own version and which is really what ledger did which is like you know uh, that really set him apart uh from the pack with the people who have portrayed the character where he, where he's just something different 
He really uh, bought into the role of the Joker. Ledger did. I mean, he, you know, I, I, there's all the rumors and stuff, and I haven't yet watched the Heath Ledger documentary, but, you know, they say he dropped down to only four hours of sleep a night and, you know, was kind of going a little bit crazy, depriving himself. He bought into the role. I don't know if Joaquin Phoenix needs to character act like that to be the Joker, per se. I think it's just going to be something he can just pull out and doesn't have to fake. Well, he always does sort of like a character role, you know. Uh, look at the whole what was that thing where he was going to be a rapper for there for a while? It was just a whole kind of like fake documentary thing that he did. Actually, I don't know about years, that. Where he like he where like he grew a beard and was going to be like an like a, he was quitting acting. It was this big news story at the end of the two thousands. Joaquin Phoenix quitting acting, going to become a rapper, and it was all just for this mockumentary thing that he made. Whoa, I didn't where know he, about that. Where he. He pulled everybody along with it. Yeah, I, I can't remember what it was called, but he really didn't. Put Joaquin everything Phoenix play Johnny Cash. Kinda... Yes, walk the line. Yes, yes, amazing, amazing performance. And and, and think about the um, rage within Johnny Cash in the, in some parts of that movie. Mm. Think about really unleashing that as the Joker. Whoo, buddy! Like I know, man. Yeah. It's it could be killer. Uh, Staying on DC news, I have a little bit more on Shazam, surprisingly, because, dude, fucking Henry Cavill, he is Superman, obviously. He's seen the Shazam suit. He's seen Zachary Levi in the Shazam suit. No one's officially seen that yet or talked about it. He uh, posted on an Instagram picture that, uh, of course, it was a picture who uh, Zachary Levi was in this big-ass coat, you know, and you couldn't see the suit or whatever. And uh, he said, dude, your suit, uh, you know, from what I've seen of it, looks so warm. And Zachary Levi said, well, that's because mine is magic. Like, (laughs) shit, man. Straight up G. He didn't even flinch. Zachary Levi making the transition. He died a hero, and he's lived long long enough to see himself become a bigger, more successful hero, apparently, because he was in the Thor movies as one of the Warriors 3. I don't know if you're aware of that. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, in uh, in Ragnarok, Hela puts a quick halt to those three. Um, and yeah, yeah, let me tell the you, three that they don't bother to name. They name Fandral in Dark World. I just rewatched it because I I heard your guys's review a little bit ahead of schedule because I was really curious on what you guys rated it and whatnot. Um, so yesterday, I actually went through and rewatched the Dark World, and there are some redeeming qualities now that I've watched it a third time. But there is so much quick to turn my brain offedness. Because the color palette's dark. Yet again, that's a Zack. It's not a Zack Snyder movie, but that's like the Zack Snyder curse. If your palette is dark in a superhero movie, really dark, sometimes it changes if that's not the hero. Batman, it works. He's a fucking dark hero. Thor doesn't really work. Loki looks awesome if you make his greens really bright green and Thor's red really bright red and all this shit. So well, I digress well, it, on that. Well, the movie is called Dark World. Oh, ha 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 ha! I got you. You fuck. You got me actually. <laughs> Okay. Well, anyways, that's that's that. Last thing from DC is uh, Doomsday Clock Toys coming from DC Collectibles. Brando, they announced it during the Toy Fair this week. They've got three two-packs coming out. They start September and then one in September, one in October, one in November. So you got a little bit of time to prepare yourselves, folks. Dr. Manhattan and Ozymandias are coming in September. Rorschach with the Mime in October and the Comedian with the Marionette in November. I'm definitely going to get all three because... Oh, yeah, dude. Fuck yeah. I don't really collect a I lot really of toys, liked, but those are dope. I like the Funko stuff that got announced in the the Bob Ross Deadpool pop. 
Yeah, they, that, that that's awesome. I figured they would. I figured they would announce that. And actually, Brando, I have one last piece, and this is very, very poignant to our show as we've covered the first couple issues here, and we haven't really got back into the swing of those things yet. But maybe we will because this is um, interesting news. A comic book has ended, and I was not aware that it was ha- that the end of this comic book is happening. Do you know about this? Maybe. Invincible. I don't know. Is officially yes. No more. Yeah. Uh, well, we knew that it was going to end. Uh, he announced it. That was certain. Well, like one thirty nine was his last one. No, one forty four was the final issue. One forty four. Yeah. Um, and everybody's heralding this as a love letter to comic book fans, to superhero comics uh, alike. So. I really think we need to get back in and finish this book because we have a lot of them to read. Mm-hmm. We don't have yeah, all. Yeah, of them. we uh, we read the first couple. Maybe we can do that over on the over on the comic club. Ooh, we I would just love do that. a batch of them. Do some invincible stuff. Cover like one through six. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. So I can't wait to eventually read one forty four. So that's a, a little bit away here, and we're gonna end this part of the episode. I know it's weird. Talked a bunch of DC. We've got a, a, a guest who's directly involved with DC in our in our sneak peek coming up here in a little bit. But have a little bit of Marvel news that'll lead into the end of the show, and it's fun because we're going to get to spout some numbers that are going to be uh, well. We're going to get final numbers also on this episode, so it's going to be interesting to see how they change here. So first of all, did you hear what happened in LA? There was an alleged battery at Stan Lee's house. You don't know about this. Okay. Police were called to the home of comic book legend Stan Lee yesterday investigating battery charges. It seems, per what everyone is looking at, that Max Anderson is likely the target of the investigation. Max Anderson is actually the personal bodyguard to Stan Lee. He's also been uh, Stan Lee's manager. Um, but it's interesting to note that there were a lawyer, the, the lawyer for both parties were there. Anderson's lawyer is also Stan Lee's lawyer. So they were there in this moment. Uh, also the, um, what is the company? I can't, I'm looking, I'm looking on the thing. Oh, adult protective services were also there. They are an investigation, an organization that investigates charges of elder abuse, so it's very possible that this dude who's been longtime bodyguard of Stan Lee has maybe also been secretly fucking him. And I say that because there are a couple things that I did not know also that come along with this. It's very bizarre that this news is coming out so close to around the time that it's recently been announced. Someone wrote a check for $300,000 out of Stan Lee's account. So it's $300,000 just stolen and missing from Stan Lee. No biggie. And then it also turned out that someone had purchased an $850,000 home on Stan Lee's dime without his knowledge. Someone's been robbing and beating the shit out of Stan Lee, and we did not know this whole time. Isn't that absolutely terrible? Well, when you used when you used uh, the verb effing, I got really confused for a minute. Effing? What? You said that he has been effing Stan Lee, and I went, "Hold on, what?" <laughs> and then you went on to say about how like the, he he he's effing him over. Yeah, that's what I meant okay. to say. Sorry. Okay, because I'm like I thought the charges were battery, not rape. <laughs> no, I'm it's like, battery. I went, no, there was. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is getting the whole the, the story just keeps getting worse. 
And also, there's not been any official statement from anyone yet. Um, LAPD only confirmed that there was an investigation happening on Lee's block. So other people have seen that all this stuff was happening at Stan Lee's house. They commented. The LAPD just confirmed, yeah, we were out there, but we can't say what happened. So bizarre that that's happening. And, of course, this happens right around the time that uh, just a couple days ago, Brando, last this past weekend, now as we're future tripping, Black Panther debuted. It's out. It's happened. I'm guessing... Uh, it's funny. I'm going to do a guess here. I'm going to guess that it gets 214 million domestically in the opening weekend here. Um, and I only am guessing that just because I know it's probably going to get around 200 million. But Black Panther debuted with a 25.2 million Thursday box office. It broke almost every Marvel record except for Age of Ultron. It's the only movie that did more with 27.6 mil. It topped Civil War. And easily doubled last fe- or two February ago's Deadpool, um, when Deadpool debuted at 12.7 million, being the highest opening for a superhero origin story at the time. So this is now the highest grossing origin story. Well, I mean, there, uh, also kids went to that to Black Panther. They didn't go to Deadpool. That's true. So, I mean, family of four, only two can go to Deadpool. Yeah, you're right, you're right. And this is, um, I mean, God, there have been so many people championing. I don't know if you heard Brie Larson has been, like, working to bring people who want to get other people to see Black Panther and who can't afford it together. So, essentially, Mm -hmm. she's got all these people. She's like, hey, if you or anybody you know wants to, like, donate money to people who want to see Black Panther but can't afford it, I'll be the middleman and I'll start this organization where you guys can link up. And that's been going on. People have been saying, hey, I'll donate money towards tickets. And people have been going, hey, I can't afford tickets. I live in an impoverished area and, you know, I'm struggling as it is. But an opportunity to go out and see a movie. And this movie is, everybody's saying it's a think piece. It's going to change the way people look at the world. And they're going to heavily affect all kinds of things. There's a lot of really crazy stuff that's also happening with this movie. Um, that's a spoiler I don't want to bring up. It talked about the timeline of the movie and how things are kind of set and, and, and whatnot. Um, but, wow, holy shit. Five minutes ago, Black Panther now projected for over $210 million opening weekend. And, damn, that's crazy. Uh, Marvel, mm-hmm. Marvel writer wants to make a Black Panther video game. Uh, this movie is... Um, I don't know, man. I just think this movie has a lot to say. There's a lot of crazy stuff. I don't know if you saw I posted this on Facebook, but there are people, white people, and that's the thing I need to say here, and I, and I want to get a little serious, Brando. Maybe Angry Nate might come out. I don't know. I'm not really angry. I'm more passionate about this. There are white people who are finding pictures of people beat up, battered, broken, bruised, claiming they went to a Black Panther premiere and got beat up, and it's not true. And I am here to say, if you see some shit like that on Facebook, do a little bit of research. Don't just retweet, oh my God, this person got the shit kicked out of a Black Panther. Because let me tell you something, it's not happening. This is not a movie about violence. This is not a movie that's going to make race wars happen or anything crazy like that. This is a movie that's supposed to teach us all how to come together as a society. And it's not going to happen with you fucking assholes trying to start race wars for no reason. Like, quit the shit. Somebody posted a picture of a of a it was allegedly a supermodel who had got beat up in Sweden. Allegedly. 
Uh, it also looked like somebody who was really good at prop effects because the way the blood looked, it didn't really look like how actual blood dries or whatever. Uh, and they were saying they got beat up. And then another person just had a picture of some blood on like a towel and was like, I got beat up. And it's like, come on, man. We can't do this. Like, people tried to fuck this thing over by bombing the reviews. Guess what? That's not happening. CinemaScore gave this movie an A+. 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 Audiences raving about it. Critics raving about it. Uh, if you go to the Rotten Tomatoes review, let's go. Rotten Tomatoes. Tomatoes.com. Let's go see what Black Panther's current Rotten Tomato score is. Any guesses? 91. Aha, it's 97 certified fresh, average rating 8.3 out of 10, with 287 reviews counted fresh. Or, no, no, 278 reviews counted fresh, with only nine being rotten, which are probably bitter fanboys. 74% of the audience liked it. So, it's doing something right, bro. That's all I know. Runtime is 135 yeah, we'll minutes. Yeah, about a, about. About two hours and 15, yeah. Yes, sir. Over on IMDb, mm. the uh, rating is sitting at a 7.8 out of 10 out of 51,000 reviews. Wow. It, on Metacritic, it is sitting at an 88. According to the composite score from comicbook.com, 85.56. Um, which rates it at a, the eighth all-time comic book movie, according to... And they have... The way that uh, comicbook.com has it is they literally have every comic book movie for people to rate and review and whatnot. And then they compile their all-time list, and it just fluctuates based on what stuff gets rated, you know? And I'm guessing if you went to the all-time list, which I'm going to now... Number one, The Dark Knight. Number two, Logan. Number three, Civil War. Number four, Homecoming. Number five, First Guardians. Number six, Black Panther. Already. Number seven, the first Iron Man. Then eight is Guardians 2. Nine is Wonder Woman. Ten, Thor Ragnarok. Then some movie I have never actually heard called Persepolis is 11. Poignant coming-of-age story of a precious and outspoken young Iranian girl that begins during the Islamic Revolution. Apparently, it's a superhero movie. 12 is Deadpool. 13 is The Avengers. 14, Days of Future Past. 15, Winter Soldier. 16 is the first Superman. Uh, 17, Doctor Strange. 18, Spider-Man 2. 19, Batman Begins. And 20 is Big Hero 6. That's where I'll stop the list. It goes for a while because it's every comic book movie. So, it seems like it's doing really well, man. I'm excited to see it. Are you stoked to see it on Sunday? On Sunday, it will be. Do you think, uh, I want to know your honest opinion. Do you think you're overhyped on this movie like maybe some of the other movies that we've gone into in recent times? Or do you think this has been one of the movies where you're not, it doesn't seem like they've been really overhyping it. It just seems like, oh wow, these reviews are really positive. You can't ignore them. I've seen one trailer for this and not looked in it, not looked into this movie any more than that. I, uh, again, um, when it comes to new movies coming out, there's there are very few that I am like on cloud nine to go see. Yeah. Uh, the last one was Last Jedi. I was hyped to see Last Jedi. Before that, man, Force Awakens. Maybe like because I w I wasn't even that hyped to see BVS. I was wondering <laughs> uh, about that. I w I mean, 
the superhero movies to me are more curious. I haven't been hyped for a superhero movie. Hyped, hyped. As in like, oh my God, I cannot wait counting down the days since The Dark Knight. Or, and then I guess Dark Knight Returns. Or Dark Knight Rises. It's so a different world, man. Clamor for those um, days. I would kill for a Batman story like The Dark Knight Rises right now. <laughs> you know? Um, I just rewatched that movie the other day. and well, I, I've watched the whole trilogy uh, with Wyatt. And damn, that's a good trilogy of films. Because when 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 you when you take yourself out of the this is a big this was this is a, a Batman story like they they have almost enclosed their Batman completely into this era like you know how Batman goes for years and years and has all, has all these villains mm-hmm. not this one nope not this one he has a few smaller notable. But he, but this Batman has a beginning, a middle, and end story, and, and, and it's all about serving the like serving the better of Gotham, trying to save Gotham, hmm. trying to do better. I like that. And it, it was something that like because I um I I've, I've seen Dark Knight Rises, probably that might have been my fifth time watching it, maybe my fourth or fifth time watching the movie, and it it just. Have, watching them so close together, or, or like over the course of like a week or so, it it felt like an act three. You know, it definitely felt like an act three um, coming in with the character, and it, and it, and it was very well done. Uh, and and like and like definitely in that regards. And I'm I'm just like, did uh, you know the dude? No one got to tell a beginning and middle and end to his story. And to like and do what he wanted to with the Batman, and that was pretty cool. And um, since then, I mean, I, I guess I was hyped for Civil War, but then it didn't live up to my expectations. It's a good movie, but I think I think that movie got overhyped for me. Predictable though. Um, but but like for Panther, I I definitely want to go see Panther. But like again, like I try to keep myself away from watching and reading it every little thing about this about movie releases because it's like once that happens and I get sucked into that, then up here it, then it's set to a certain expectation. And you also start telling the story how you would play it out if you had the control of the cards. Exactly, which maybe I remember a long time ago you you said that same thing about the Dark Knight Rises coming off of the dark night and then bringing in Bane, you had a certain me- a mentality of what they should do and they didn't do that. And so you're sitting in the movie going, no, that's not what you do with Bane. But that's not the Bane that they're telling. They're telling a different Bane. They're telling this raw, unmitigated power Bane. They're not telling the Venom Bane because Venom Bane can't, can't exist in reality. No. And that and and that's just a different mindset. It's it's a different way, you know. And and um, you know, uh, and I'm sure a lot of people felt that way about uh, that 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 same exact way to a T about the Last Jedi. That's not how I would have told Luke Skywalker. I've heard that from so many people. You're not like, personally. I don't give a fuck. I've, I've definitely seen it. 
Um, I mean, personally, I loved the movie. I thought it was great. Fantastic. You can hear that back on 170. Man, I don't know. Uh, Blaine just tagged us in a thing, and then it got my brain turning. Fucking always getting us thrown off track, Blaine, you bastard. Love you, buddy. Mad love. But I absolutely think that's a great idea. I'll wait till you see it. I already did. Oh, you see it? I saw while like while you were talking. Oh yeah. shit! Uh, yeah, I, w- <laughs> I, I would love that it game. Didn't, it didn't throw me off though. It threw me off because I wasn't expecting to get tagged in no shit, and then my phone blew up, and I was like, what "The fuck!" Ugh. Brando, buddy, nay, friend, pal. We have to do some future trip in here. We're gonna go to the future past. Past because it's already happened for me. Future because it hasn't happened yet for anyone else. <laughs> confusing i know except for athena except for athena she's also taken part in this already and actually um spoiler alert one other person does have or did have the link for this and i'm assuming they listened which was mark tyler nobleman he was the guy who actually did the documentary batman and bill like it's his it was his journey that led to meeting athena which led to bill eventually getting credit like he's the guy that pushed for all that shit to happen right he fucking yep. friended me on Facebook and stuff and whatnot. And then was like, hey, you know, enjoy your uh, interview with Athena. She's really great or whatever. And I sent him the link to the episode and he enjoyed it. So that was pretty cool. Awesome. So hopefully you guys will also enjoy it as well. And then, of course, after that, which we're not quite out of here yet, but after that is going to be the Black Panther review right after we've seen the movie. It's going to be fresh on a lot of our minds. Whoever is going to be joining me, I'm not quite sure. It's a surprise. Woo! Um, Brando. I'm glad you're back, buddy. I missed you last week, man. It was sad that you got sick, and we all had the sick, so I'm glad that you were, you're were you no longer down with the sickness. Oh, my gosh, man. Wyatt got so scared. Oh, I bet. I know. It's, it's terrifying for a little kid to look at their parent, who's the one that's taking care of everything, and see them struggling and go, what the fuck am I supposed to do? Like, oh, dude, like, it dropped me to my knees. It was so, I was violently. Do you think you just got food poisoning, curling. or do you really, th- like, did you get a little bout yeah. of the flu? No, no, no. It was it was definitely some food poisoning. Cause oh, that's awful. I, I, I had no other symptoms until I, until I ate dinner or lunch that day, and then I was just ravaged for, like, two days. And I even stayed at home from work on Monday because I, I be, on Sunday, I tried to eat some soup, and it took me a half hour because it just anytime I put anything in my belly, it was like. Yeah, I think we texted Monday morning, and you're like, "Dude, I'm at home. I, did, I haven't eaten anything for two days. I need to yeah. replenish." And it was like, "Yes, please do. Get better. Feel better." But yeah, Sunday I, I watched the 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 Batman and Bill documentary, and it was really good. It is really good. It's it's a it's a like. A, a a mind blowing, ridiculous, can't believe it happens story, you know. It it's such a it was such a really well done documentary. It does it does such a well job of uh, telling the story, and then by the time like ten minutes has gone by, you're just kind of sucked into it. You're like, whoa, okay, I didn't realize what really. And then next thing you know, you're like you're going towards the end goal where, you know, Batman v Superman was the first piece of work that got Bill's name credited and it was awesome and it was awesome that like you got to you know see that all the way through it was really cool and then of course gotham also put the credit for bill which is awesome yeah 
Um, and now, and now, and now, every work going forward, if if, if I'm correct, if I'm comics, mistaken, every it? medium, he's co-creator. That that's never ending. Here's an interesting thing, Brando. It's not on the episode, I don't think, but Athena did say she would love to do Journey into Comics sometime, so we can have her that's on. That's awesome. Yeah, she's that's awesome. She's, I can't wait. She's great fun, hilarious. That that was a re- it's a really great interview that I hope everyone enjoys when you guys fully listen to it on Friday. I felt like it was kind of cool because uh, not a ton of the episode now is about Batman. I mean, there's parts of it because it's obviously her life and the, and part of the reason why I brought her on. But I really tried to dive in and learn about her as a person and the things that kind of led to where she is now. And then of course the whirlwind that is her life now, where she lives her daytime life as a school teacher and like the rest of her life she's the heir to Batman. You know, like, that's a totally strange. Two different, you know, two different worlds there. So, uh, Brando, thanks for coming back to JIC. Welcome back. We're glad to have you back. We've got some plans for the next couple episodes coming out. Uh, you and I are going to be linking up in the middle of this next week, doing some cool shit. So we're probably going to get some really fun content out of that. I won't do the plugs now. I'll save them for the Black Panther thing since that's going to be what wraps this episode. Brando, thanks so much for coming back, man. It's, it's glad to be back and. Uh kicking along with the whole GIC group and uh, you know it, it's a shame I won't be able to join you guys for the Black Panther uh, review but I will have seen it and uh, hopefully I'll get to tell you or somebody my gut reaction that way it's at least said stated Brandon thought this yeah, yeah Brando thought the a B and C and then it, you know maybe if it's possible while I while we're traveling in the car coming back home I can put it in words there you go yeah, so that'd be fine. That'd be nice. Um, all right. Well, I guess now the best thing to do is to say that Nate and Athena are going to take it away, I guess. I can't really rap here. It's really weird how this is going to happen. But uh, folks, stick around. We're going to do the sneak peek of the Voice of Survival episode 15 featuring Athena Finger, the heir to Batman. Coming up, it's like a 15-minute little clip. And then after that, we're going to get into the Black Panther review with mystery guests. Who lives? Who dies? Who knows? Next on Journey into Comics. You have enhanced the legacy that your grandfather really created. Because now there's this really, I mean, from the depths of my soul, I mean this like the most beautiful form of justice being served. And in a very sad and very poetic story, you get this awesome resolve. And now you've become this beacon for this character. It's uh, it's a lot. <laughs> it's it's times it's you put it like that. It's like oh my god, that's like intense, so intense. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, as as a fan of the character Batman, who we're talking about today, uh, it's it's almost it shaped my legacy as a person and the things I've aspired to do and, you know, creating a whole podcast network where the, the linchpin of the, the thing was a comic based show. Uh, and now doing an interview with you, it's just like this beautiful symmetry where Batman has affected me so much that, you know, I watched this documentary that Mark put together, um, right when it came out, I think it was the, the Batman and Bill that's on Hulu. And as soon as I saw it, I was, I mean, honestly, a very naive comic book fan because I did not know the story of Bill Finger at all. And I've never been so shocked and amazed and humbled and also just like impressed with someone's drive to right a wrong, you know? 
Well, I mean, it was something that Bill wasn't able to do for himself, even though he did, you know, at one time tried to speak up for himself, but it didn't work. Um, you know, my father tried to get credit for his dad. Um, unfortunately, he passed away very young and wasn't able to see any kind of resolution for his father. So it, the burden really fell on me to make sure that something was resolved. Something. One way or another. Just the unknown really is worse Absol- than the known. Absolutely agree with that sentiment wholeheartedly. Like having no clue if there's going to be resolution is just tiresome because your mind is constantly wondering the what ifs, what could happen, yes. what could come. So when Mark reaches out to you and, and, you know, obviously that journey is very beautifully told in the documentary of how he found you on MySpace and, and, and the beauty of the Internet, you know, you can just connect with anybody. Uh, yes. So he finds you, and then it's almost immediately like, I, I, you know, and you don't have to get too deep into this if you don't feel comfortable doing this or not, but I, I feel like it opened up a wound, like, right away, and you were just like, Oh, it did. Oh, it was damn so it. extremely emotional. There was a lot of crying. Um, my ex-husband, who I was married to at the time, didn't really understand why I was so emotional about it because it was something that I never talked about. Um, so it was it was very tough for me emotionally. But it was also very exciting because here's this person who's showing so much interest and enthusiasm and really wants to get Bill's story out there and, and sees the injustice and that, look, there is a community of people out there that do know the truth and the, the truth is spreading. Like, cause I was, I never was part of that whole scene. I was never into going to conventions. I, I barely read comics myself. Like it just wasn't the culture that I gravitated towards, but I was totally into horror and that's what I did. Oh, you like horror. horror. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. So, and then when I was, you know, when I was younger, I was making my own art. I was doing my own thing. I was creating. I was, you know, I wasn't trying to be influenced by other people's art. You know, I was trying to find my own at that time. So, um, you know, it's it was it was really a shock, but exciting because he really was trying to get Bill's name attached to the Batman name. I mean, that was his ultimate goal was for people to know the truth and the, what the correct history was. I'm going to, I'm going to throw a number at you that you might not totally be aware of, but maybe you are, who knows? Uh, According to how the documentary is told, and I know that there's sometimes movie magic and stuff based on what they say in that this journey for you with Mark finding you and then everything that kind of started at the premiere of the dark Knight to now has been 10 years in the making. Like you have, you've officially been in this for a decade and almost like a little, no, I've been in it a lifetime. Well, you've been in a lifetime. That's true. Um, but the fight really, you know, the idea of the fight really came to mind with me when my father passed away, but I was always discouraged. It's going to cost too much money. This, that, the other thing. How do you fight a conglomerate like Warner brothers? 
Well, just even DC, because you have to think back in the early 90s, I don't think Warner Brothers had bought them yet. Oh, that's true. Very true. Uh, My father passed away in 92, so I believe it was still just DC at that time. So, I mean, even just going against them, they were still a huge corporation, company, um, not corporation, but company to go against. And it would, again, take finances that a young person doesn't necessarily have. (laughs) So, um, you know, so when he, when Mark came and said, you know, you should really approach the subject again, it's really something that you should really consider resolving. I took it to heart and I, I, talk to people that were close to me and and you know we kind of all said it was really up to me and you know it's gonna be a long fight and you know but you're really the only person that can do it so it's up to you (laughs) and I'm like okay well I guess I have to think about it some more and then you know came to being the 75th anniversary and I was like you know what we really need to make this right so that's when I started to really pursue things was in 2014. Although things were, you know, I had communications back and forth with DC. Um, One thing that's very interesting to note is that you got married, but your last name is still Finger. So yes. you have kept the lineage going. And that kind of leads me to a sub next question and I, maybe I hopefully this isn't a boundary of crossings or anything, but you have a son Yes. and I've just been curious. Have you guys considered having his last name changed to finger just to carry it on? We've been trying. I have been trying to convince him to at least hyphenate it. Like I understand his dad's old school Cuban. Um, I understand that whole dynamic of carrying on the name. Uh, my son is his only son. He has a daughter. She doesn't carry on his name. So I understand that, but I think that there's also, you need to, you know, I think you need to hyphenate and add this other name. Um, you know, but it's really, it, he might change his mind. He's still kind of young. He's only 15, so he's uh, still. He's got tons of time to let life give yeah. him experience to to feel out what exactly he's going to want to do. And, of course. Exactly. I mean, it's a personal thing. It is his name, so if he chooses not to do it i mean i have to respect that so but it would be nice if he would add it but in in his heart he's all about it he's definitely a finger and and totally supports the cause and is super excited that his great-grandfather's you know got his recognition and credit for everything that he contributed gosh and that list is incredible watching the documentary and you hear like it's not just Batman. It's Batman. It's Robin, Catwoman, Scarecrow, Joker, Riddler, Penguin, Two Face, Gordon, Gotham, the Batcave, Batmobile, Batman's origin story. It's amazing. It is amazing the mountain of work that Bill put in that literally changed the course of culture as a whole. Yes, it did. I think that my my dad would be blown away by what has happened with the character. Because, I mean, it was still, in the 80s, it was still not as huge. It was still kind of a nerdy, geeky, you know, you're sitting in your room and you don't have any friends and it was a, you know, a hidden culture. 
where now it's celebrated and everybody goes to cons and everybody likes the characters and everybody wants to be part of it now. Everyone's Completely proud to be a nerd. now than it was, you know, 30 years ago. Warning, the second half of this podcast features so many spoilers for the movie Black Panther that if you have not seen it, you should probably turn back now. However, if you've seen the movie, you want to get some thoughts on it, you want to get some of the details, some things we noticed, go ahead and keep listening now. Thanks so much. Take it away, Nate. Thanks, Nate. Talking to Athena, that was weird. I just did that in this episode. Had the little sneak peek of me with my interview with Athena Finger. Uh, that comes up this Friday on the Voices Survival podcast. But that's all said and done now. We future tripped. We've time traveled. We went from Saturday to now Sunday. And my special guest at this time, we've just finished seeing Black Panther. You guys know her from Foodies Watching Movies. She is the co-creator. She's also in Walk Among Us as the lead singer and dirty piano player. Welcome back to Journey into Comics for the second week in a row. Veronica, how's it going? Whoa. That was crazy, right? That was quite an intro. Well, I had to just like roll right into it. There's no time like the present. And uh, again, we're almost kind of burning the midnight oil here to get this episode up. Like it's going to come right down to the wire yet again. This is becoming a reoccurring theme. Not intentional by any stretch of the imagination uh, (laughs) at all. Twin Peaks and Thor Ragnarok got in the way. A little. A lot of things got in the way. That's true, but it's a good weekend. And uh, it's getting late. It's getting on. I'm getting tired. Yeah, but we're going to do an awesome review of a movie we saw today. We just got back from the theaters a little bit ago. We saw Black Panther. Yes. It's finally... You're representing your Black Panther shirt. That that you so lovingly got me. Mm-hmm. For it Valentine's looks great. Day. Thank you. Which, which uh, issue is number two? Issue two, which I think was when they officially gave Black Panther like the big... He was like doing a couple... I want to say they did like multiple... Like a thicker paged book, like a double sized issue. Does this say double sized? I can't read. Um, I don't know. It says second big issue, the all new, all exciting Black yeah, Panther. Yeah, they did. They they did like they were extra paged issues mm. uh, in that era, just because they were giving T'Challa a little bit of a step up. Now, I tell you what, right out the gate, you hear a lot about this movie. Mm-hmm. It's been heralded as the Godfather of the MCU, and they've been marketing this movie for like nine months now. The hype is real. I mean, they've been marketing this movie, technically speaking, if you really want to get down to technicalities, since Civil War. I mean, it was the first after credit sequence is them putting Bucky in the cryostasis on Wakanda and then showing the big panther for the first time. So that's like the hype train. And people were like, oh, T'Challa was so good in Civil War, right? Mm -hmm. But yet again, this is very similar to some other movies in the MCU where Black Panther, while it's an origin story and it's its own thing, it is also kind of a sequel to Civil War. Yeah. Because it has stuff that that took away from that story that sets this thing in motion. The death of uh, T'Chaka. Right. And uh, interesting where they start this movie. Oakland, California, 1992. Yeah, I liked that. I mean, that's a very poignant time frame in American culture. Mm-hmm. Think of uh, the music scene, N.W.A. comes out of Oakland in that time frame. And the L.A. riots. The L.A. riots also, and yeah, Rodney yeah. King. And I mean, there's so many things that happen in that time poignant, frame. So th- they put it there. So now it's interesting because we've had stuff from, you know, 91, 90, 91. 
the obviously you've got Miss Marvel or uh, Captain Marvel is going to be in the nineties. Mm-hmm. They're fleshing out the MCU, what was happening in the nineties before we got to Iron Man. Yeah. So essentially, they're back building their universe two decades deep and into the future. That's amazing to me that they're able to pull this off. So this sets forward in motion. We have T'Chaka finds his brother in Oakland. His brother seems to be like maybe smuggling guns, running weapons to people. You know, just being kind of a shitty person overall, it seems. Uh, it is revealed that there's a spy that's been telling on the, to, brother. on the brother's every move. To the king. Directly to the king. And he's, and he's he's like thought his reasons were noble enough. He wanted to arm the oppressed and the the little guy with high tech weapons from Wakanda. And he and wanted to share with the world. And that is actually kind of the overarching theme of the whole movie. Right. Is set and the, forward in that the actual moment. villain is that that's his whole uh Spiel. His MO, if you will. <laughs> yeah, that's his motive. Uh, so the movie really kicks off into the present day with T'Challa is king. He's got to be crowned king. They have ancient, you know, ritual where if you're going to be the king, you're going to give up your Black Panther spirit. You know, they take the heart of Wakanda out of you. You're going to fight. If you win, you get the heart of Wakanda put back into you. Restored if you're challenged, to your fo- you if have you're to fight. And, to uh, death. And the the group on the mountain challenges T'Challa, and dude almost beats him. And it's close, but then T'Challa ends up turning the tide and spares his life. Because he is the Black Panther. And he's like, he's noble, you know? T'Challa's like, there's no reason to kill. He mm-hmm. the, That's a very interesting thing that we need to note here is that in Civil War, T'Challa is on a revenge mission. T'Chaka has been killed by what he presumes is Bucky. We find out later it's Zemo. He has an opportunity to kill Zemo. He recognizes revenge is going to make me you, and I can't be that. And again, right here, that lesson that he learned back in Civil War before all this movie broke out affects his decision here where he says, I'm not going to kill this guy. I'm going to let him live, and we're going to just be at peace. Like Everything's cool. I want to be a peaceful king. So setting forth what happens after he becomes king, the big baddie well what we think is the big baddie is ulysses s claw he was in age of ultron mm-hmm. ultron chops his arm off yeah so and of course He's this a, movie a gun runner and weapons uh sales person extraordinaire yeah yeah he's a <laughs> smuggler smuggler that's the word and yeah, it's uh, andy circus yeah we played Gollum and played uh, everything snoke and, and has done amazing uh, yeah absolutely yeah. uh but uh he is Ulysses S. Claw. They used a, they put a real repulsor arm on him finally, so that's like reminiscent of the comics of Claw. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have the dorky purple outfit. I'm really grateful for that because I think it, Andy Serkis looks like pretty badass in this movie. Ha- he does look villain. badass, but have you ever seen for the comic villain. book? Have you ever seen the comic book Claw? I don't know. Probably. I, I'm gonna pull it up while we're talking about this and just keep going on. But um, so to keep going on, Claw. <laughs> on that note is going to be making a big deal of vibranium he stole. Mm-hmm. He's going to be making a sale. And T'Challa's like, I got to be a king. My dad couldn't get this guy. Damn it, I'm going to get this guy. It's right. my it's my mission. And he sets his crew up, Okoya and Neokia. Nakia. Nakia, thank you. And uh, Played by Lupita Nyong'o. And then uh, Denai Gararia. 
Yeah, Michonne's in this movie. She was fantastic. As almost exactly the same kind of character. Well, she was a little bit more feminine in this character, which I kind of appreciated. That's true. I loved all of the badass women in this movie. That so many badass cool. women. Yeah. A lot of badass women in this movie. Uh, and, uh, of course, plan goes off the rails because Everett Ross is there. And he's, again, from Avengers. He's General Ross from Hulk's son. Right, so William Hurt's son from Civil War. Mm-hmm. You remember uh, who is that that plays him? His name is. Who the hell are you talking about? The guy that's <laughs> fucking Frodo. The guy that plays Frodo, who was in Elijah Bla- Wood. No, what the fuck are you talking not Frodo. About? God damn it, <laughs> not Frodo. Bilbo. Okay. okay. Oh, you're talking about Martin Freeman. Thank Martin Freeman. Yes. Correct. Oh, also from Everett Sherlock. Ross. Thank you. Everett Ross, correct. Okay, yeah. He shows Martin Freeman up. is a, a very fantastic British actor, favorite of mine, and he's very um, American in this movie, which I found slightly off-putting only because I know him as a British actor. His American accent's dead on, though. It's really good. Yeah. So, of course, he has different things in mind. He wants to catch Claw, diplomatically speaking, because he's an enemy to the U.S. Yeah. And they have goals. Yeah. And Long story short, they all want the, this guy. And T'Challa's like, fuck no, we're taking him. The plan goes off the rails. It's set up and lead to this beautiful chase scene. We've seen some of it in the trailers mm-hmm. uh, with the black cars. A lot of cool and- action sequences in this movie. It yeah. was all very, like, all the different juxtapositions between uh, sets, like, between the countries. Like, you're, you're in Africa, and then you're in South Korea, and... And then you're in L.A. and it's a very interesting way how they did it. It and there were lots of bright colors also, yeah. which was really nice to use. And there and there were also a lot of dark tones. So it was like it was like really brilliantly done. This movie was done. Uh, it was a good movie. I liked this movie. I'll say it now. So coming out of the chase sequence is the realization that they failed. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, but at some point they do end up catching Claw because. They catch him, they take, they get rid of his arm. He's in prison and Ross is going to interrogate him. Right. And he interrogates him and... And then there's a jailbreak. Claw reveals, though, that Wakanda is not some third world bullshit country. Right, that they've got a whole mountain of vibranium. And they're technologically superior. Right. And everybody's stupid to it, you know. And Ross is now questioning T'Challa, like, what's your motive? So it's, it's interesting back and forth. Amidst this, the breakout. Now, what did you think about this breakout sequence? Because it kind of, this is the the other character starting to diverge his story within the story that's already taking place here. Yeah, this was the the scene where a couple of different storylines started to go their own directions. You got um, Martin Freeman's character taking a shrapnel or bullet or something to the spine to save Nakia. Yeah. And uh, that like kind of sets in motion their storyline that they go together and uh, his like trustworthiness of, you know, his character. We forgot to mention that Killmonger, who breaks out Claw, mm-hmm. uh, they were previously working together in this heist at the museum where they to stole originally get the vibranium. this ar- artifact that's Wakandan, but they are misproperly and saying that it's some British artifact. And he's like, no, this is Wakandan. It was stolen and I have proof. And then they... And then they they take it. Yeah, they vibrate it. They take it. Long story short, he's breaking him out now. Because he wants to get to Wakanda. And he has a lot of ideas. And uh, he turns on Claw. 
mm-hmm. actually. Because he won't take him to Wakanda. Correct. And uh, it was it was kind of shocking because you see the desperateness of Killmonger, and this is why I think he's going to be heralded as one of the best villains in the MCU because he's cerebral. Mm-hmm. He had a very noble motive. I mean, very real it's motive. It's hard to not feel for the dude, but also he's like a total... The worst. Yeah, total twat. <laughs> he's, he's he's the absolute worst. So, but also his backstory is heartbreaking. It is. It is absolutely heartbreaking, and we're going to get to that. So, and spoilers, by the way, if you haven't seen Black Panther, we're definitely diving deep into that. We should have mentioned that like ten minutes ago, probably. But, yeah, that's your job. This um, is your your podcast. Maybe what I'll do at the end of this is say something about spoilers, and then put it at the beginning, like Make warning, a warning, warning, massive Black go. Panther spoilers, warn, you know, whatever. Okay. Yeah, you do that. So, anyways, Killmonger brings the body of Claw to Wakanda. Right. To a faction that is no longer feeling loyal to Chakala. To Daniel Kalua from Get Out, which was awesome to see him in this movie. Yeah. Killing it. His role was not huge. He was also um, in a relationship with Michonne. Yes, Akoya. <laughs> uh, so he, bring, he brings the body, and then everything starts to trickle downward because the reveal happens. He is the son of T'Chaka's brother. So he is cousins to T'Challa. Yeah. And technically has a bloodline direct to the throne. Right. He so could... he wants to challenge for the for the throne. And we start to learn the real tragic backstory. He found his dad just after T'Chaka killed him, just after T'Chaka left him. Alone. The only Wakandan left in America alone in Oakland thinking that his dad was probably fucking crazy telling him some dream story but then seeing the reality of everything around him. Mm -hmm. And he became driven. He became an assassin. He became the best of the best. Killmonger because he was... All over the world killing people. And scarring his body in this Mm -hmm. uh, like almost beautiful print uh, on his skin. Scarification. Also note, Michael B. Jordan... Mm Mm-hmm. A fantastic either, for acclaim. <laughs> you either die a villain or you, or you either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. And he just did that because he came, went from Johnny Storm and that awful Fantastic Four movie, which... I didn't see. You we don't want to. started it and then uh, it was pretty bad, so we turned it off. You don't want to. Yeah. Really, Angry Nate already had that rant. We don't need to go back there. Episode 65 or something. Just go way back. It's way uh-huh. back there. Anyways, so... Michael B. Jordan going from that terrible movie now to Killmonger and this story that we're getting into Mm -hmm. challenges for the throne Mm -hmm. and soundly not only defeats, but seemingly kills T'Challa. Yeah, he throws him off a fucking waterfall. He says, fuck you, dude, later. You're gone and throws him off. So he throws him off. And and then becomes the new Black Panther. Everything is immediately changing, though. You can feel the whole energy of Wakanda has changed. He has a different goal. Mm-hmm. He wants to arm, because he grew up in broke Oakland, America, a black kid who was impoverished and not alone been, and alone and not given opportunities and struggling to live his life and all these things. And he's like, Wakanda can arm my people. Mm-hmm. And he's Where was ta- Wakanda when he needed them? And he's like, now and I'm going to helped. I'm going to save everybody else who was like me, right? By making the world filled with vibranium um, weapons galore, weapons <laughs> too much. Vibranium. It shifts the balance of power, and he would become a world leader. 
That's his end goal. It he is. He wants to rule the world. Uh, and it's, vibranium. I mean, he's evilly brilliant. Solid plan. Solid plan, guy. He does. So and, then what happened? <laughs> uh, well, the uh, the queen, which would be T'Chaka's wife. Mm-hmm. Was that Angelica? Who, I Angelica actually, Bass. Oh, I can't think of her name. Angela Bassett? Yeah. I think. Yeah, uh, she was the, okay, and then also we didn't mention Shiri. That's uh, T'Challa or T'Chaka, T'Challa's sister. Yeah, who makes she all was the great. Tech. She was such a scene stealer in this movie. Yes, I she loved was her. Awesome, uh, funny, comic levity, also great yeah. with the the tech. I feel like I feel like the comedy in this movie could have been a little bit more, like. It was this movie was almost too Lion King, like it was almost too family movie, like too wholesome. It was a little too wholesome, but at the same time, it really toes a very. I mean, that was refreshing, I suppose. Yeah. After so many Marvel movies, this was definitely not like a typical Marvel movie experience. It actually didn't feel like Marvel at all. It didn't. It felt like I was watching something very different, and I appreciated that until the post credits, and then and we'll until the post credits. But we'll get there. We're not even there. Let's get there. So. The Queen and Shiri and Nakia, Na- they all take uh you go. Everett Ross. He's yeah. with them. <laughs> Martin Freeman. They're gonna go take I can't the last Everett Ross. <laughs> I don't know. They're gonna take the last heart of Wakanda. Yeah, because the crazy new Black Panther burned Killmonger, all yep. the, the plants that have the stuff that make the Black Panther uh, the Black Panther. Yeah, that gives him the, gives strength, him the strength and the power and the extra, the extra superhuman abilities. Right. So he has him burn it all to the ground because he's like, I'm the last king. That's mm-hmm. what's happening here. I'm the king. There is no. So he's just like me. batshit crazy with Correct. power at this point. Correct, and he because he's ultimately worked out his goal from 1992 when he was wronged right. all the way to present day. He's worked his way into this situation. So uh, it's interesting because. He, uh, you know, he sets out this goal and the queen and everybody are off to, they're going to take the heart up to the mountain. To offer it to the original challenger of the throne when uh, he first, you know, ascended. When T'Challa first ascended, yeah. yeah. And uh, so they go and they present it to him and like say, you, you're our last hope. They basically uh, lay at it. But spoiler, <laughs> he has their last hope and it's like the most... You did. I mean, I saw it coming. It was a very unifying moment. When you see it coming, you see it coming, but you don't necessarily right away see it coming, I guess is the way I want to say that, because they actually have T'Challa, who somehow survived. Yeah, they put him on ice. And they did. They put (laughs) him on ice. They literally put him on ice. And that's how he's surviving. And he's doing his thing, he's doing the best he can. He's barely holding on. There's, He's in a coma. We also didn't mention that when T'Challa, does, when they did the ritual to make him Black Panther, they buried him in sand. And he went in to the- litter? Ah, ha, 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 ha. And they went to the- And then he went to the ethereal plane and talked to his father. Right, which crazy Black Panther got to do as well. Um, and of course his father that was has sad. the- Oh, yeah. That flashback was sad. I didn't like, like it. He's like, <laughs> you know, you're not going to cry. And then like, oh, the tears. And then I'm like, oh, God, okay, here we go. Uh, <laughs> I promised myself I wouldn't cry. Yeah, I did. And I did a good job. It was hard, though. This movie was very emotionally driven. And the story is just so heartbreaking and tragic. So, of course, they feed the heart of Wakanda to T'Challa, who is in the snow. And they bury him in snow. And then he's back. Yeah. And then shit is on. 
Yeah, and then battle ensues. So essentially, Wakanda is ripping itself apart. It's civil war. Because Okoya has said, no, I'm not going to go along with this bullshit. I'm going to defend what I think is the right stance because now. Because no she now sees throne. that the original king is still alive. And the challenge has not yet been fulfilled. Correct. And the 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 call has not been answered officially. Right. So she's like loyal to the throne, not the king. Yeah. And uh, so Wakanda goes into chaos. There are rhinos with battle armor. There's crazy fights happening. The cool thing about uh, T'Challa's panther suit is it redistributes any energy that's hit. Yeah, it on sucks it. up the kinetic energy and then... Like stores it and then can explode EMP it, pulse it. Yeah, it's that's fucking bad. Yeah, that was cool. That was a nice update. Uh, so this movie was cool. There was a, a lot of really interesting high tech versus uh, old school. Uh, old school. It like was using really cool. like you know basic bow staff and stuff, weaponry, mm-hmm. swords and whatnot, and then also using yeah, the it was super a cool juxtaposition. Shiri had, a movie. Or, yeah, Shiri had those awesome like gauntlets that shot the fucking. Pulses, pulses or, or whatever the energy pulses. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, uh, I love that most of the warriors were women. Akoya and her tribe almost take Killmonger down, and it doesn't work. <clears throat> and then, of course, it comes down to it: Black Panther. No, Killmonger's going to kill Shiri, mm. and he's over her, and it's about to be bad, you know. And Shiri had her last stand and tried to stop him, and it didn't work. And Panther uses the pulse. Boom. He breaks out of all these dudes attacking him. He runs. And then, boom, the Killmonger battle. Mm-hmm. They end up battling down into the heart of, into the center of Wakanda where they're mining all the vibranium. And the train is going around where they've got the sonic blasters that it, keep yeah. the vibranium. It dampens the power of the vibranium. Power, yeah. Correct. So their suits start to lose their uh, strength. And they deteriorate off of them in parts. Right. Uh, so they're losing their powers fighting. And then there's this really like tragic, like, you know, my father told me he was going to show me this place. Imagine that, you know, a kid in Brooklyn being told some fairy tale or mm-hmm. not a kid in Brooklyn, a kid in Oakland, sorry, being told some fairy tale. And it's just like heartbreaking. You just like feel for it. Mm-hmm. And of course, Panther does this badass move at the end and ends up stabbing Killmonger all epic like fatality. But then he does the most beautiful thing and takes him up to the mountaintop to watch the sunset. Because mm-hmm. the most beautiful thing, as Dad said, you know, mm-hmm. oh, heartbreaking. This movie could have been rated PG. It, I, it pretty much was. I think that's the, the only reason it got PG thirteen is because they threw like four shits in the whole movie, mm-hmm. like and and two deaths or three deaths or something. But uh, so Killmonger dies, and he actually kind of ends up killing himself because T'Challa's like, hey, we got the technology. We'll heal you. And he's like, I will never, ever, ever be chained by you. He didn't want to go to jail. And he said, I would rather die. And he pulls the sword out of himself and then he, and then he you know, perishes or whatnot. And uh, then it's it's kind of the rebuilding process. T'Challa officially takes the throne again. And Convinces his lady fair to stay. Gnocchi? I'm fucking it up. Nakia. Nakia, sorry, I can't it's see. Right. I can't see how it's spelled. I can't see how it's spelled. It's been a long so. day. Yeah, uh, but uh, so ever everything is peace in Wakanda's in the rebuilding process, and now we've got two post-credit sequences to quickly brief on, and then mm-hmm. we're going to kind of give our little brief review of what we thought of the movie. First post-credit sequence is T'Challa at the United Nations officially getting Wakanda recognized as a proper nation 
not third world, and also saying, hey, we have technology and we're ready to share. Yeah. And also cool to note that, that T'Challa takes Shiri back to Oakland. To the spot where his uncle was killed by their father. And tells her that he actually has built or he has bought all this space and they're going to he make bought the building and the land around it. They're going to make a community outreach center and she's going to be the head of like showing them new technologies and stuff. For Wakanda. For Wakanda as like a um, what a, a diplomatic mm-hmm. center, right? Yeah. So a beautiful thing, you know, and, and all this amazing symbolism. T'Challa says something that I think is what people are resonating with in the theaters in a time when our nation is really genuinely fractured, uh, the thing to take away from this movie is we are all one tribe. When you yeah. break it down, we're all human beings. This movie had a good message. It really, really did. And, uh, you know, a movie, Black Panther, mostly African-American cast, African cast, however you want to look at it, not really racially driven at all. It was such a non-issue that I just loved it because I think there are some people and you've seen a lot of these really ugly things going on Facebook, people claiming they were beat up at Black Panther stuff. It's not like that. This movie was about well, love. Those were fake. Those were like It was fake. fake. Correct. Correct. We know it was fake. We talked about that earlier in the show. But, mm. you know, it's just, it's sad. But then moving on to the final post credit scene, we get uh, Shiri going and she's talking to some little kids who are teasing somebody. We don't know who it is. We find out it's the White Wolf. And the White Bucky Wolf Barnes. is Captain Bucky Barnes. And uh, it seems like he's Bash maybe been... Sand with some long-ass Thor hair. And he looks like maybe he's been healed of whatever curse the Winter Soldier befell him, where they can turn him by saying those words. Mm-hmm. Right? So, because the trigger words... So he's all Zen now. So he's Zen mode. He's been fixed. Shiri did some and things. And going to set up for Infinity War. He's already in Wakanda ready to mm-hmm. fight. You know, he's off ice. It was awesome. So uh, let's get down to it. What did you think? I thought it was a good movie. It was, it was, a, uh, yeah, it was a little long at times, but I thought it was really great. I loved how it was shot. It was beautifully shot. I loved how, um, I loved the cast. Yeah, and I love the music. All Kendrick Lamar. Yeah, it was good. Which was amazing. I liked it. It was a good movie. Yeah, I, I, Absolutely agree. This is a solid movie. I can't wait to rewatch it a couple times. I don't know if I need to rewatch it again, though. Like, there's just some of the Marvel movies where I'm just like, I got it. I'm good. It's weird. I got it. At this point, I've seen them all so many times that I feel like it's a necessity because you think you got it. And then, like, when you rewatch a movie. Yeah, that's a good point. It hits you in a different way. You've been making me rewatch some of the Marvel movies that I like to skip over here and there. And And it changes how you see them. Yeah, I suppose so. Um, I did just watch Spider Man Homecoming with my kid again the other day. We took him to theaters to see that. We did. And he didn't really like watching it the second time around. He got bored and watched something on his tablet. But I finished watching it and i had to say i liked it um so much the first time but even better the second time it's so a great movie i would get, i would i would see this movie again yeah i'd yeah. see black panther again uh, it was good definitely a good watch through i want to mention before we go into ratings brando sent me and he unfortunately couldn't be here on this part of the show we already talked about that in the earlier part of the show but uh since he could not be here he sent me in a little bit of his notes what he thought about the movie he said good story predictable but that's okay and there were some spots that, yeah, you could kind of figure out what was going on. Well, yeah. I mean, once you start watching this movie, it is it is predictable. It's got a formula to it, but um, it's still 
sometimes it's awesome to watch a plan lay itself out beautifully. Right, and it had know. a happy ending, all in all, you know. Uh, Brando says some iffy pacing in spots. You said that too. It gets a little bit a little bit long in some spots of the movie, so some iffy pacing in spots. Mm-hmm. A few scenes drag, Brando says. Uh, once it gets to South Korea, it's on point. So that's from the casino scene, which was awesome because very much like a private party with casino dealers, that's like exactly what I do now. So it was kind of cool to see that on the big screen in movie yeah. form. Uh, Brandon said, not overly impressed with the CGI, okay to not good. Overall first impression, he gave it an 8 out of 10. Um, and then he specifically mentions the claw CGI when his arm is no longer there and his arm mm-hmm. is supposed to be missing. Yeah. The sleeve looked kind of bad. Oh, uh, I didn't really pay much attention to that. I thought he looked fine. Well, that's that's Brandon seeing all the little minutiae because yeah, he's good yeah. at he's good at picking out the minutia and stuff, man. He he sees a lot of stuff. I'm I'm so enveloped in the story at that point. I'm just like, ha, ha, ha. right. I yeah, can't yeah. I can't fucking think straight. But uh, <clears throat> overall rating, what did you give it? know what you can give it first okay so let's i'm gonna run down categories and score it that way and that'll give me the thing so um story was a four out of five predictable but it was a solid story that was well executed and i can't complain about that maybe there could have been a couple more twists but i don't really know if you need it uh it's a very classic father-son uh drama King taking his rightful place and yeah. having to overcome in order to do so. Mm-hmm. Uh, story. Soundtrack, amazing. Kendrick Lamar slayed. The music was beautiful throughout. It fit the story, and it did good to help move those scenes along. Uh, s- let's go to the third spot, which would be your cinematography. Overall, I thought it was fantastically shot. Yeah, there's some spots. The CGI is a little bit blurry because things are moving too fast. Wasn't that supposed? Wasn't the movie shot in 3D? Uh I do believe it was probably also shot in 3D, but you know they always have uh, now with the 3D cameras they've got a 2D on top of your 3D, so oh, it capture- yeah, it's the same. So, um, I you know I don't know. I don't, what about the acting? Uh, I thought the acting was phenomenal. It's crazy to think that Chadwick Boseman is 100% North American from the Bronx, and he has such a great, authentic, like his accent is just spot on. You know, uh, I loved. Every character in this movie, Stanley makes a brief appearance. He steals uh, T'Challa's chips at the poker at, table, at the craps table, of course. Uh, I'll just move these over here for safekeeping. People really do that shit, by the way. Yeah, uh, that's for real. Well, the dude left it. It's up for grabs. No, because there are cameras, and if you do that, you get arrested for stealing. Oh no, shit. For real, absolutely. That's like if you go. Here's a fun tip, folks. If you're in a casino and you see a dollar on the ground. Leave it on the fucking ground. It's not yours to pick up. And if you pick it up, they're going to come and get you. And they're going to be like, hey, that dollar, it wasn't yours. Everybody's watching. It's fucked up. It's real. Everybody wins at casino. Okay, so uh, acting, I'll give it a 4.5. Music, I'll give it a 4. 4 for 4. Okay, so I think this adds up to a solid 8.5. I'll say 8.5 on my first watch. I was going to say 8.5. Yeah, I think this is... It's a classic... uh, uh, kind of predictable, but I don't know. There's something wholesome about it that I liked. And it was it did a great job of being maintained in its own story. It didn't really have any other MCU stuff that brought right. into it that tried to make it more. I did really appreciate that fact about it because in all the other Marvel movies, there's so many different subplots and storylines going on simultaneously. It was really nice to just be like in one story. 
Yeah, and, and immersed with its in the own world little of subplots. Yeah, yeah, I liked that. Uh, I don't know. I give this movie an eight five. It was good. So we'll take the pod masters. I really like the women in it. I thought they were badass. Very badass. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. We'll take the pod masters eight. You and I's eight five. We'll make it an eight point two five. Kind of split that up fairly. I think that's a good rating for Black Panther. Uh, honestly, couple Rotten thing- Tomatoes has got it at like ninety seven percent right now. Uh, yeah, which is a great score. It was the first cinema score A plus. Mm-hmm. So audiences and it's killing it at April. the box office. Uh, it had a we mentioned it earlier in the show. It was twenty five point two Friday. It did seventy six million on, or uh, did twenty five point two on Thursday. 76 million on Friday and now that the They're weekend closing is the weekend in at like what 214 218 218 and that's President's Day Monday today this episode drops on President's Day it's included so folks if you are out and about with your family your friends you're looking for something to do today do yourselves a favor go see Black Panther there's no fucking excuses it's totally different than what you're expecting it'll definitely clear your palate from thinking you have superhero fatigue because it doesn't feel like a superhero movie and also don't bring your super young children <sighs> can we talk about that for a second just for a second sure please do can you go on your soapbox um i don't really have a soapbox about it i am just speaking on behalf of everybody that was with us but because the little children that were at the movie theater today were very well behaved which surprised the hell Amazing. out of me like there was like it, this little boy had to have been two Sitting in front of us. And his infant and sibling. His seriously infant Maybe newborn newborn, yeah. newborn s- brother in his mother's lap. That baby cried like once and then got like a bottle and fell asleep for the whole movie. It was magical. But not all babies and children are like that. That's like when we saw Deadpool and people were bringing their kids to that movie. Like why? Why would you do that to your little child? It's going to hurt their ears. It's not necessarily age appropriate material for really little kids like if you can't get a babysitter just wait for it to come out on netflix y'all exactly i have a son and that's what i had to do or look here's the deal i know brandon and kate sometimes have to do this for movies brando goes with his dude friends to movies Mm -hmm. because they can't go together just go to a really early morning one yes absolutely something where you can where all the other you know parents bring their kids exactly And then if it's a cry, it's a cry. So what? It's not that many people Right, because there's just a ton of other kids there, and they're not bothering anybody. We were going to do the 3.30 movie. Mm -hmm. It sold out. It sold out. We couldn't do it. We had to do the 4 o'clock movie, which wasn't bad. We got first seating in the house. Mm -hmm. I felt like the true pod father because I was perfectly centered under the projector, just like in the middle at the very back of the theater. Wow. It was a really cool experience. I, I really enjoyed being there for that. Uh, but I think that's going to do it for the episode. Was there anything else you wanted to add about Black Panther? Oh, no. I would just recommend everybody to go see it. It was good. And I'm looking forward now to, of course, Infinity War. Yeah, I can't wait for Infinity War. They didn't say anything about the Soul Stone. Not at all, which means one of two things. Thanos either A, already has it, or B, it's on Wakanda and they aren't aware of it. Hmm. We'll have to find out. Somebody, they're bringing the fight there somehow. Uh, I have a lot of concepts of yeah, what's going to happen in yeah, Infinity War. Yeah, so. definitely, um, now that I'm thinking about it. Anyway, that's for a different show. Yeah, we'll do that a different time. V, thanks for coming back. Oh, you're welcome. You know, I appreciate you so much. Well, I was here, so it's okay. Yeah, <laughs> I'm grateful for you every time you do stuff for me like this. So no problem. Thanks for that. As always, folks, check out the Journey to Comics Network and Journey to Comics podcast on all the different podcasting 
uh, apps, whether it's Podbean, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play Music. We are now on Spotify, folks. Don't sleep on us there. Just go search Journey Into Comics Network. You'll get nine of the ten shows. Search Game Addicts Podcast to get the tenth show. Or just go to Patreon. Give us $1 for early access, 3 bucks for early access, and exclusive content, all ten shows, Exclusive content like The Road to Infinity War, where we are doing all 18 MCU movies leading up to Infinity War in May, with the Black Panther review by Butt stuff coming out the day before Infinity War. That's how, like, scheduled we are about this, because, <laughs> you know, I was like, what's the best way to do this? We'll release it on Wednesday. That's the plan. Uh, so, folks, here's the deal. You go on, you add us, you subscribe to us, whatever. Download our stuff. You're going to get the shows. Go on Patreon. You're going to get all that extra stuff. You can go on YouTube or whatever. But you can also get the Journey into Comics Network on Facebook at Journey into Comics Podcast. Or you can go on Twitter at JIC Network. Or you can go on Instagram at Journey into Comics. That's where you can check us out, see all of our stuff. We've got a bunch of stuff coming up the, you know, down the pipe and whatnot that we've been planning for a while now. And we can't wait to bring that to you folks. This was episode 179 of Journey into Comics. Thanks once again, V. No problem. All right. Well, I've been Nate. <laughs> I'm Veronica. And as always, folks, just keep filling your brains with shit. Later. <laughs>